Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We're Alana, Kyle, and Tira, friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. Welcome here. Hey there, so welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. So before we dive into it, I wanted to quickly tell you about this episode's sponsor, Faithful Counseling. They're an amazing faith-based counseling service that can help walk with you through whatever you're going through. And as our listener, you'll get a sweet deal. You get 10% off your first month. Just head over to faithfulcounseling.com slash kingdom sexuality ministry to claim your discount. Now let's get into the episode. All right, so welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. It's my total joy to introduce our guest today. We have Dr. Julie Slattery with us. And so in case you kind of don't know much about her, um, so she is a clinical psychologist and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy, um, a ministry that's dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. And so actually, it's funny, Julie, um, in my story, when people ask you, like, how did you start this podcast and whatnot? You're like a snippet in that story because when I, I talk about how I, I had my baby and then I'm in this season where we you know couldn't have sex, but I was like diving into resources to be like, how can I make our sex life better? And I just binged your podcast. Like, it was like, oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It was like constantly on. I was just like, I need to you know find these resources. And yours was totally one of them. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, praise God. I'm glad. I'm glad we yeah. could be an encouragement to you. And now you're passing it on to other people. Yeah, totally. Which is amazing. So yeah, if you don't, people who are listening, if you haven't listened to it yet, Java with Julie is an amazing podcast. And Julie, you've also written 12 books. That's mm-hmm. a lot. It just means I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> if you live long enough, you start you start to look back and be like, okay, yeah, I had some time to do some stuff. <laughs> right? No, that's good. Okay, so a question I actually I had for you before we even start the actual questions was sometimes when I've listened to your podcast, it actually sounds like you're in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Do you ever actually record your episodes in a coffee shop? Yeah, um, we do and we have. So uh, when I used to live in Colorado. Uh-huh. And when I lived in Colorado, I lived in the Springs. And so you'd have a lot of authors and speakers come through that city and so all of our recordings for the first several years of Job with Julie were in person in a coffee shop. And then I moved to Ohio and I don't know why, but nobody visits Ohio. So <laughs> I had to get a little creative with, um, with actually we use the same software that you use with doing okay. remote interviews, but I still loved the live interviews when we get to do it in the coffee shop. Yeah. I feel like that'd be so fun. Did you get yeah. like weird looks doing it in a coffee shop or like, wasn't there so much background noise? I mean, I honestly, I've never listened to an episode, so I have no idea, but that sounds yeah. like a logistical nightmare. Well, Kyle, you're right. The first few that we did in a coffee shop, we did it kind of as you're picturing, like with people around and uh, that didn't go so well because <laughs> I, I remember we had like this really touching moment where someone was sharing something deeply and then a person at the next table just bust out laughing over something else. And it was not, it was not a good mix. So what we ended up doing is finding a coffee shop where they had this upstairs room that we could use where you still were getting some of the ambient noise of Mm -hmm. the coffee grinders and things like Mm -hmm. that. But, uh, but we were able to control um, the sound 
and we were able to have privacy to talk about the things that we talk about. And then we actually, here's a little behind the scenes note, we do pipe in uh, ambient coffee shop noise even now for our recordings that are done virtually. Nice. So that's yeah. awesome. So now you know. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And I always usually do have a cup of coffee with me as I do right now. So that <laughs> makes it authentic. Exactly. Okay. So, so you've spent the last decade, you know, in this area, just in the thick of Christian sexuality. So talking on that, what sort of problems or pain points are you seeing these days, um, specifically more towards marriage and sexuality? Boy, there are so many. Uh, and I, I think those pain points were always there, but I think they're getting worse and I think we're also more open to talking about them. So we're more aware of them, but I would say some of the main ones would be your basic incompatibility of my spouse and I just have different sexual desires and needs, and that's causing huge amounts of conflict. Uh, Particularly, I think when you go into marriage thinking that uh, you're going to have all your needs and desires sexually met. Mm, and yeah. so I think that's a shift within the last decade that more and more couples are kind of buying that cultural mind that marriage is all about getting satisfied. So mm. that that sounds like just a normal thing that couples deal with, but I've actually seen it just tear apart marriages. Mm. Uh, so that can be a legitimate pain point. But then you have other things like um, physical problems with desire, with sexual pain, um, with just not even being able to have intercourse because of physical issues. Um, You have emotional, emotional problems coming from abuse or from just trauma or um, an inability to experience intimacy interpersonally. So you've got kind of that cluster of issues. And then I would say one more that I would add is just the impact of pornography so many men and women in today's day and age have, are growing up on pornography. That's just normal for them. And even if they get to the point where they realize this isn't good for me, this isn't God honoring, their brains have been impacted by the consistent use of pornography. The way they think about sex has been shaped by that. And so there's a lot of unlearning and pain in just addressing that for a married couple. I have a question just to build off that first one. Did the um, problems and pain points in previous generations, were they the same or were there different things back then? I mean, obviously, pornography probably wasn't as prevalent, but what other things were there in previous generations? Yeah, um, I think you had in previous generations, and now even if we look at the older the older folks today, a taboo around talking about sex, even within mm. marriage. So... Mm. You know, working yeah. with couples that are my age and older, they literally can't have a conversation about sex. They somehow feel like it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And under underneath that, I think this deep shame, particularly for women, about just even being sexual people. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that is getting better in the younger generations. There's more freedom to talk about sexuality. There's more of a sense of sexuality is a good thing. Uh, it's good to experience pleasure in sex. So you had all that. And then I think we're working our way out of it. But you also had the whole mindset of duty sex, Mm -hmm. of sex primarily being for a man's pleasure 
And as a wife, it's your job to keep your husband satisfied. If you happen to enjoy it too, that's great, but it's really not about you. So there were, there was a lot of that narrative in older generations that was very dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting how the pendulum has like totally swung the opposite way where even in like dating relationships now, it's like people just hang out where they're just, you know, the whole Tinder situation where people mm-hmm. are just swiping left and right and making up and having sex with, oh, sorry, one second. Night, Theo. <laughs> sorry. It's like That's you okay. my door. <laughs> That's okay. I might have my dog say hi at some point too. So it's all, it's all good. It's my three-year-old going for a nap. Oh, I mean, even with the even with the information you're talking about, how previous generations it was kind of taboo to talk about. Now, I would say, like Alana said, the pendulum swung almost the other way, where we talk about it so much and too much and like way too liberally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Uh, I would say that that really hasn't infiltrated church communities yet. So mm-hmm. what you have is a whole lot of conversation. And then in the secular climate, sex is mentioned everywhere and it's in everything, but it's still like when I'm in the church spaces speaking on sex, I still run up against a lot of resistance. Like, are we really allowed to talk about this? So, um, so you're, you're right, Kyle, it's talked about, but in the wrong way and and in the wrong spaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I've heard you touch on quite a bit in the past. And I've, I've tried to like explain it, but I've done a terrible job. So I want to hear you talk about it. Um, the idea that, you know, sex is a metaphor for God's covenant love. So could you touch on that for a second? Yeah, boy, touch on it for a second. I can't explain (laughs) it. It's, you know, honestly, it's not easy for me to explain either. Um, and it has taken me a while to really get my mind around it, but it really starts with the idea that everything that God has created, he created purposefully to reveal himself. And so if we look at the created world and like, I would challenge you to open up your Bible and find a page where it's not referencing some aspect of creation in order to reveal to us who God is and what he's like, whether it's trees or the stars or animal life or the human experience of being tired or hungry or in bondage, all these things that we experience as human beings reveal to us the spiritual realm, what it is to be spiritually hungry, uh, what it is um, to be Mm -hmm. tired and to enter into God's rest, what it is to be in bondage and then be freed. Um, and, and so we have to start with that framework as we read the scripture and as we experience life that God is always revealing himself yeah. and nothing that he created is incidental. It was all pur- purposeful. Uh, and that is also true of marriage and sexuality. And so when we read this scripture and we see what does sex reveal about God, we see really clearly in both the Old Testament and New Testament that through our sexuality, God is revealing this idea of intimate covenant, that God has an intimate covenant with his people, and he has created us as sexual human beings so that we could pursue an intimate covenant within marriage and experience elements of what his love is like. So that's my best my best <laughs> presentation of two minutes on a theology of sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's just nice, like, because you hear, um, I know we've been asked before, you know, is it possible for someone to be 
sexual, like, can sex be holy? And what does like, what does that look like as sex is a holy thing? And it's like, okay, well, yeah, like God created it. Of course he wants this, like to have it in the fullest in your marriage. But I feel like, yeah, so many people, I feel like you've said before, just think God can be everywhere, but he doesn't see what goes on in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. But that's so not the case. No. Which is, which is beautiful. Yeah. But I think for most of us, that is a real paradigm shift because mm-hmm. we've spent, we spent the majority of our life trying to keep God out of our sex life, um, yeah. pretending that he doesn't know or he'd be ashamed of us. Um, so act, to actively invite him into this space in our heart feels like a real disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in your book, so this is the book, um, God, Sex, and Your Marriage, you talk about how most married people are sexually active, but not necessarily sexually intimate. What would mm-hmm. be the difference between like sexually active and sexually intimate? Yeah. Um, sexual activity is all about what's happening in the body. So uh, it's it's the questions around how often should we be having sex? And what if I'm not attracted to my spouse anymore? Uh, and I, I don't like the way my body looks. So I just want to cover up or se- sex isn't good for us. Like I just don't enjoy it. I never want it. Those kinds of issues are really more about sexual activity and it's approaching your sexual relationship as if the only thing that matters is the fact that two bodies are having intercourse. Um, sexual intimacy is viewing the, the journey of sexuality as two people literally journeying together towards what it is to be fully naked and unashamed. And I don't just mean physically. Um, there are a lot of married couples that are physically naked, but they've never been emotionally and spiritually and sexually naked with each other. Yeah. Um, they have they have shame that they never speak out loud. They have regrets. They have secrets. They have fantasies that they would never share with their spouse because they'd be humiliated. And so we end up engaging in sex as a married couple thinking, well, this is what we're supposed to do but we're never taking steps towards becoming more vulnerable with each other and sharing what's underneath this sexual activity. Um, and you know, when I teach on this, I have a lot of people who will come up to me and say, the way you're describing that, I've been married for 15 years and I don't think I've ever experienced that. Uh, wow. And so some of it is helping couples see that actually when activity is broken, mm-hmm. you it's really an invitation to step into intimacy. Instead of just saying, well, our sex life is broken. It's not working for us. Okay, well, what's the deeper invitation there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. So then practically, what steps, like how does a couple get there? So say someone yeah. has had a really hard time. They have these things that they've kept in their mind or in their hearts and they don't want to share it with their spouse. How do they then take that and open up. Yeah. I think it really starts with being honest with God. And so I'm not likely to confess something to my spouse that I haven't brought before the Lord. And so let's say there is the shame or there are these fantasies. And I hate the fact that every time I'm with my spouse, my mind goes to places I don't want it to go. Or I hate the fact that I can't ever feel sexually free because I'm, I feel so much shame about what's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, the first step is to say, 
God, you know these things. You know, the scripture says that I can't have a thought without you knowing that it exists. So why am I hiding this from you? I want to be free from these things. Would you help me? And I think for most people, it does take that step towards confessing it before God and then asking him for the courage. Like, I really want to work towards intimacy. Would you provide the opportunity for me and my spouse to have real conversations? Um, and it can, it doesn't have to start with this huge confession. I think it starts with conversations like, how do you think our sex life is going? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Um, how, you know, on a scale from one to five, how close do you feel to me or how much do you feel like we're sharing what's really going on in our hearts? Uh, and so those kinds of conversations that can be prompted by a podcast like this or going through a book together or a conference, now you're starting to talk about what's really happening between you. And none of us, you know, open up immediately with the deepest, darkest stuff. We kind of yeah. feel our way towards vulnerability. And so even just confessing something like, uh, I've always hated my stomach and I, I don't want you to look at my stomach ever since I had kids, I'm self-conscious about it. Like that's a step of vulnerability or for, um, a husband to say, you know, I always feel this, this performance pressure. Like if I'm not, if you don't climax, I'm not pleasing you. Like that's a step towards vulnerability. Now they're talking about the process of intimacy together. They're not just having their bodies react the way they're supposed to. And then that leads to deeper and deeper conversation and vulnerability. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you say to a couple who's trying to balance um, the perspective of passion and pleasure within their marriage? Um, well, one of the ways that has been helpful for me to think about this, uh, Alana, you asked me to talk about the metaphor of sexuality and, um, and if sex really is a metaphor of God's love, then we can look at God's love as a definition of what a great sex life is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what I, what I described in God, sex and your marriage is four specific pillars or, or elements of God's covenant love. One of them is pleasure and it's passion. Like we are called as God's people to regularly celebrate our love for him um, through worship and singing and gathering together as his bride and to be joyful always. And so that's one aspect of a healthy sex life. For many couples, they're going to have to work towards experiencing sexual pleasure together. It's not something that's just going to happen but um, but you you use the word balance because a sex life becomes unbalanced if that's the only essence of their sex life. If, if it's all about the pleasure, they will find no significance when the pleasure isn't there. And it will be an unbalanced pursuit of pleasure. And so you have to have the other three elements of covenant love, which are faithfulness. So it has to be built on a foundation of faithfulness intimate knowing. So it's a journey, just like we talked about, of, of knowing each other more intimately. It's not just about what our bodies are experiencing. And then sacrificial giving, that every, every story of true love has an element of selfishness kind of being triumphed by love, right. that we lay ourselves down for each other, including and most greatly exemplified in, in Christ's love for us. He laid himself down for us. 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, so your sexual relationship will have that element of how can I please you? And what does it look like for me to deny myself in order to love you well? Um, so Kyle, to answer your question, pleasure and passion and fun are one of the, the core aspects of, of healthy sexuality, but they, they will destroy your sex life if you don't have those other three elements that you're building on as well. Yeah. I love that. That's a great answer. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if someone's balanced, they like would feel like it's, it's off kilter. Like, let's say it's like, oh, well, we're all focused on pleasure, but we're not focused on like, you know, the substance or, you know, things like that. What would be steps to then try and even it out? Yeah. I, I think that these kind of go in progression. So I would start with faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So you look at a marriage, for example, where it's all about pleasure. And so what do they begin to do? They begin to bring pornography into their marriage because they want to experience that sexual high, or they begin to bring fantasy in, uh, or even say, hey, let's have an open marriage. But that is going to crumble because the foundation of covenant is a promise of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would start by addressing issues of faithfulness in, in your marriage. And faithfulness is definitely sexual fidelity, but it's more than that. It's becoming a safe person for your spouse, uh, becoming a place where you can share your thoughts and not feel like you're going to be rejected or you're going to be ridiculed. And so every marriage, particularly within the sexual relationship, has challenges to faithfulness. Like you you need to know your spouse isn't going anywhere, Mm -hmm. that they're in it for the long haul. And, um, And so I think that's the first step. Now, once you have faithfulness, that intimacy I talked about now becomes possible because right. I can share my thoughts and my fears. And I know that my husband's going to be there. Like he's going to work with me on it. Um, so I would start with those two and then work your way to the sacrificial giving and the pleasure. I think the pleasure really is, is the fourth one, you know, mm-hmm. like we experience pure pleasure and increasing pleasure in marriage when we really worked on building those other three aspects of our sexual relationship. Yeah. Oh, no, that's good. So we just wanted to take another moment to chat about this episode's sponsor, Faithful Counseling. With Faithful Counseling, you can access a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help with a wide range of issues. So you simply answer a few questions on what you're looking for in therapy and boom, Faithful Counseling will handpick the perfect therapist for you. And the best part is that you can chat with your therapist whenever and however you want. So you can do it with text, chat, phone, video call, it's therapy on your terms. And if your therapist doesn't really seem like a good fit, no worries. You can switch to a new therapist hassle-free without any extra charge. So with Faithful Counseling, you'll get top-notch professionalism and the quality you'd expect from like in-office therapy, but with a personal touch. Plus, they offer more scheduling, flexibility, and affordability. Oh, and in case we forgot to mention, as a listener, you'll get a sweet deal too. You get 10% off your first month. So just head over to faithfulcounseling.com slash kingdom sexuality ministry to claim your discount. So if you're ready to embark on a journey of healing, Faithful Counseling is here to guide you in every step of the way. Now let's get back to the episode. So earlier we were talking about how it seems like the older generation, which not exclusively, but this is definitely still transparent or like apparent, I would say today is the whole like duty sex or like, mm-hmm. you know, marital duty and that sort of thing. So like, how would that be potentially harmful, which I feel like in some ways we're like, of course that would be harmful, but 
when you think about sex, because it's definitely something that I think is very apparent still today. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, why would that be like a not a great place to be in? Yeah. Um, well, duty sex is fear driven. So when I talk to women, for example, who are in that duty sex framework, the reason they're having sex is because they're afraid that if they don't, their husband will cheat or look right. at pornography. Uh, or it's this sense of like, well, I'm a Christian wife. This is my obligation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, if we go back to the metaphor, you know, does God really want us to have that attitude towards him of, I don't want to go to church, but I guess I have to, you right. know, or, you know, like I have to read my Bible or God's going to zap me. You know, he very <laughs> clearly says like, it's about your heart. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Um, and and then the other thing that it, it enables in the spouse is that spouse is never learning sacrificial love. And so when a husband is told that you're able to demand this from your wife, like, is that at all the kind of love God has for us? You know, when Jesus says, when, when Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, you know, be like Jesus and lay down your life down for your wife. Does that teaching stop at the bedroom door where all of a sudden, because right. it's a sexual relationship, the hus- the Christian husband can say, I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you don't enjoy it. You owe me this. Yeah. Um, so we're really not building the kind of character that God calls us to build within marriage. And it, it creates very dysfunctional dynamics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so people will build the theology of duty sex from one passage of scripture, which is first Corinthians chapter seven verses one through five. And if you really study that in context, you know, what Paul is saying is that the sexual relationship is powerful and it, it demands your priority in marriage. You should be working on your sex life. And that is not just for the person who has the lower sexual desire. That is also a call to the person who has the higher sexual desire to minister to his spouse sexually, mm-hmm. uh, to to be self-giving, um, to love well. And, um, and so a sex life will never be thriving if you don't prioritize it and work on it. But again, you're working on intimacy. You're not just working on activity. Yeah. Mm. So then what would sexual maturity look like within the marriage? Oh, okay. You asked these big questions. What would it look like? (laughs) (laughs) Sexual maturity looks like, I'm going to go back to it, these four pillars. Mm. So, um, so is it marked by faithfulness? Like, are you loving with your character? Because your character is the most essential ingredient in your sex life. If you don't have character, you have nothing. Mm. So are you growing in character? Um, the second thing is, are you growing in intimacy? So can you say that I know my spouse more intimately now than I did two years ago, sexually. Right. Like we, we're sharing secrets with each other. Like we're, we're building a history of memories that only we share. Um, the third piece of it is, am I becoming more like Christ? Like are the challenges of our sexual relationship causing me to learn what it is to love joyfully and sacrificially? Uh, and then the fourth thing is, are we having fun? Do we both enjoy it? Even if our bodies aren't working perfectly, can we say that our sex life is this little haven that we get to 
go away and enjoy together and, uh, and just relish with each other. And I would say if, if those four things are there, that's, that's what God designed sex to be. And so there's a journey of maturity. It's not a destination, but it's a call to journey. Mm-hmm. I That's just want so to good. touch on that a little bit more. Sorry. Um, you can finish your thought, Kyle. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, that is something that I feel like I'm going to use a lot in the future, those four things. And I like how you put them mm-hmm. in steps. And, like, it just makes total sense. And it's such a good framework to fall back on. Like, okay, like, where are we right now? Okay, this yeah. is going well. Good. Let's move on to the next one. But, yeah, I love the progression that you talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. I wanted to, because I know when you think of sex as, you know, this metaphor of God and, you know, his covenant love and all those things, and you're thinking of, I don't know, how it is a holy thing and it's a beautiful thing and you see it everywhere. It can easily, I, in my opinion, I would think, I would think of it as a very serious thing, mm-hmm. but then you touched on fun. It's mm-hmm. like, what other ways, like, how can you make your sex life instead of this like serious thing, like how can you add more fun into your life? And is that something that comes easily for you? Mm, No, it's not something that comes easily for me, Mm. but I do have, I do have a very fun husband. So, (laughs) so, you know, he depends on me to bring in the serious stuff and I depend on him to bring in the fun. (laughs) Um, So he, he will always say, Julie, you know, like you're, you live in the submarine you're down there with your AW Tozer, like thinking all these yes. things through. And then I have to swim down and like, ting, 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 come on up for air, you know? So, <laughs> so he's, he's a lot of fun and he helps me with that. But I think, um, again, there's this element of when we look at our relationship with God, have you ever met a really serious, somber Christian that never laughs? Hmm. I probably have. Yeah, they're not fun to be around. <laughs> No, they're no, not. not. Are they a good witness of of Christ? No. no. No, it's yeah, so you know, we are so reminded, the scripture tells us to be that, mm-hmm. but we also are so free. Yeah. We're filled with joy. And the mark of a of somebody whose life has been really touched by the Lord is they're free from shame, they're free from fear, they're free from bondage. And so fun is really the expression of freedom. Like kids can play because they have nothing else on their mind. They're free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I really think we need to change our paradigm of fun, not being the absence of holiness, but fun yeah. actually being a beautiful expression of holiness that we mm-hmm. can laugh and we can leave our, our problems behind for an hour and go have fun because we know that God, God is in charge of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a testament to the fact that we have been set free. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Even though it's difficult, it can be difficult to like leave your mind at the door. It is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think especially for women, like the more mm-hmm. we study um, the the neurology of women, we really we really do integrate all of our thoughts into the bedroom, and so women can feel like they have sexual ADD. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't focus, and so we do need help. Uh, to do to do that and have for permission to have fun to have permission to lock the doors and not listen yeah. to the kids when they're screaming and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, something my husband taught me to do is like when I'm stressed out and I have lots of things on my mind, I make a parking lot 
so like a, essentially like a brain dump where you like write down all the things that mm-hmm. you need to do that are on your mind. And so I'm like, I just want to have a brain dump paper in my bedroom where it's like, okay, these are the things I don't yeah. want to forget about. And so it's like, okay, perfect. Now my mind can try and, I mean, not that it's as simple as just flicking the switch in my brain, but. Um, well, even, even a tangible thing like that can be helpful. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I've heard women say all kinds of different things. Like one woman I heard would like light three successive candles, like one to remind her to get her body ready. One to remind her to get her mind ready. I, I forget what the third one was, but it was like her process of saying, now is the time to let wow. go of the things that are troubling me. So I do mm-hmm. think those sort of tangible things can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing that was from your book I want to touch on is um, the analogy of sex as a jigsaw puzzle. Can mm-hmm. you touch on that? I'm so curious about yeah. that to hear more about it. Yeah. So um, so I am one of those people who in the wintertime enjoys a good jigsaw puzzle. Mm. And the way I solve jigsaw puzzles, and I think most people do, is you have to look at the cover on the box to know what you're creating. And so for every piece, you hold up the piece and you look at the shading on the piece and you figure out where does this go in the picture. And that's how you solve the puzzle eventually. But what I realized is most couples are trying to solve the jigsaw puzzle of their sexuality without knowing what picture they're creating. And so they have these pieces that they can't make sense of. They just end up giving up. But, uh, but the beauty of knowing that sex is meant to be a metaphor of God's covenant love is that gives us the picture. So even as I'm talking about those four elements of covenant love, I didn't make those up. That's looking at how Christ loves his church. Mm-hmm. It's how God loves his covenant people. And, uh, and that's what scripture, the story of scripture is telling us to be working toward. So in my own marriage relationship, it gives me a context for how do I make sense of and understand what I'm feeling right now and what I'm experiencing, even the pain that we might be going through? It has a purpose, mm-hmm. but I only understand the purpose if I know what we're meant to be creating within our marriage. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And so all these is, would you say the picture on the box is that sexual maturity? That's what you're yeah, going Yeah, I... I you know, we're never gonna we're never gonna completely have our marriage look like Christ's right. relationship with His bride. Yeah. But maturity is getting closer and closer to it. Mm-hmm. And again, it gives purpose. So, yeah. you know, like I'll hear from couples, for example, who for physical reasons or emotional reasons can't have intercourse, and they feel like, well, what's the point? They even wonder, should we stay married? And if you have a simplistic view of the puzzle you're creating, then you have no context for that for that problem. But if you realize, no, actually the point of marriage and sexuality is to is to begin to embody Christ's love for each other. Well, now like how do we how do these four pillars play out in that context? How do we have the deep conversations underneath that pain that help us to to forge intimacy? how do we lay ourselves down for each other and how do we find ways even with our physical or emotional limitations to celebrate? Like we can do sexual things together that are fun. Um, And so maturity is realizing that the picture God has given you to replicate is so complex. It's so rich that even in the deepest valleys, 
it infuses purpose into what you're experiencing. And it gives us a context for how beauty can come out of those ashes. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Julie. This has been a total pleasure. I feel like I could just listen to you talk all day. I'll just keep asking questions. <laughs> but it was beautiful. Thank you so much for, for sharing your heart on this. Is there any other things that you would like our listeners to know about you or your guys' ministry and what you guys are doing? Um. Yeah, I just stop on by if you want to check it out. It's AuthenticIntimacy.com. Um, we have online groups that you can go through, and you mentioned the podcast and just resources to help you on your journey. But thank you for having me on. Thank you for your good questions and just the great conversation. Yeah, now I realize why you were at the top of Alana's interview bucket list. This was awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's sweet. <laughs> Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like our content, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell your friends too. Thanks so much for journeying with us today as we tackled the hard questions and dive deep into godly intimacy. Make sure you follow us on Instagram to see more of our content and check the show notes for any links we might've mentioned in today's episode. We're so grateful to be on this journey with you and we can't wait to see you in the next episode.